0: Woodside Bible Church, we gather each week to pursue God by studying His Word together. Through our series, Divided, Seeking Unity in a Fractured World, we are coming face-to-face with the division that seems to define the culture of our nation, our communities, and even our churches. Join us as we turn to 1 Corinthians to discover the unifying power of a people who follow Christ. Good morning, church family. Uh, it's good to be with you this morning, opening up God's word. Once again, we're in the fourth week of our series called Divided, Seeking Unity in a Fractured World. As the title of our series suggests, there's division that exists in this world, and that's probably not a, a new concept to most of you all here. I'm sure we've all experienced some sort of division in our lives at one Point or another. This has been just the reality of this world ever since sin entered into it. And Paul actually addresses division here in 1 Corinthians. That's why we've been in 1 Corinthians 1 over the course of the last uh, several weeks. And today, we're going to see the message that unifies us, but also brings with it some division to some extent. And that mis- message is found in in the power and wisdom of God through the cross, as we will see this morning. But before we dive into this message and further into this text, let's just pray for God to reveal to us his power and wisdom this morning. So let's. will you pray with me? Father, we thank you for who you are. We thank you for how you have revealed yourself through your word to us. We pray this morning that as we come to this, this passage, this text in scripture, Lord, in 1 Corinthians, that you would just reveal to us your power and your wisdom this morning. Would what we hear not be of me this morning, Lord, but of you and from your gospel, from your word, Lord. And God, we just thank you um, for, for what you are going to reveal to us this morning. It's in Christ's name that I pray, amen. Well, exactly one month ago today, I was getting back from a mission trip with our middle school and high school students from around Woodside. It was our last day of the trip, and uh, we, we, were, we were just blown away that week by the way that God showed us his power and his wisdom. We were, uh, this trip was called Hope Week. It was a local mission trip to the Detroit area for middle school and high school students at Woodside. I'm going to focus primarily on what happened with our middle school group or or what we call families when we go to Hope Week that week Um, today, simply because that's who I was helping lead out that week. I encourage you to go and ask all of our students that were on that trip how God was at work in their lives, because it's been really awesome to hear just the stories that have come back from that trip. Um, But today, like I said, I'm going to focus on that middle school family. And at the beginning of the week, we were kind of just canvassing the neighborhood in Hamtramck. That's part of where we were serving while we were there. And we were passing out flyers to, a, to invite people, and specifically kids, to a soccer tournament and a carnival that we were going to be putting on for the community in one of their parks later in the week. And as, as we would go around to the community, we would come to the end of each street where we were canvassing, and we would just pray. We would pray for the people that we had interacted with, We would pray for God to do just big things that week. And the beautiful thing is that that's exactly what happened. We saw God's power, his wisdom, and goodness just on full display at Hope Week. And I'll talk more about this as we go on today. But as we, and even before we come to our passage today, I just have a a question for you all that I want you to think about this morning. Where do you find wisdom? Where do you find wisdom? I think in this world, seeking for wisdom is something that just comes naturally. It's something that we all desire. We want to know where wisdom can be found, but oftentimes, finding that wisdom is a bit harder, isn't it? Finding those sources where we can find wisdom might be more difficult. Maybe we seek wisdom in the preferred news channel that we look to and get information from. Or maybe it's from a favorite author that seems to be a well-respected person in our culture. Maybe it's from schooling and the education we've received growing up or even currently right now. Maybe it's from respected family members or friends, people that we trust. I think these are a lot of the more common and expected answers that we would think that the world would give us when we think of where can we find wisdom, But sometimes wisdom comes from places that we don't expect, maybe the places we least expect it. And that's what we're going to see today in God's word is that that, that that's the case. And this morning we're going to be seeing this in 1 Corinthians 1, verses 17 through 25. So if you have your Bibles, I'd encourage you to open with me there to 1 Corinthians 1, verses 17 through 25, What we're going to see this morning is that God's wisdom and power are in the message of Christ crucified. God's wisdom and power are in the message of Christ crucified. Our world's expected sources of wisdom may not always be bad in and of themselves, but true wisdom can only be found at the cross. That's what we're going to see today, that true wisdom can only be found at the cross. And this morning, we're going to look at two ways that we can embrace this message of the power and wisdom of God through Christ crucified. And one of the the first things we're going to see this morning is that we need to confess our wise foolishness of this world. We need to confess our wise foolishness of the world. Often, we look to the things of this world for wisdom. But the cross reminds us that it's not our words, it is not anything that we can gain knowledge-wise for ourselves that holds any power, but it's God who holds the power. We see this in 1 Corinthians 1, 17 through 20, which says this, For Christ did not send me to baptize, but to preach the gospel, and not with words of eloquent wisdom, lest the cross of Christ be emptied of its power. Before we jump into this text um, fully, it might be helpful to have a bit of a quick refresher. Some of the things we talked about last week that were happening culturally in the city of Corinth, as well as the passage that we saw last week. Well, just as we love dynamic speakers, those powerful speakers today, the city of Corinth loved those kinds of personalities as well. They loved those dynamic personalities that knew how to weave words together well, and actually that's how uh, many rose to fame and popularity within the city. And as this kind of culture was uh, prevalent in the city of Corinth, this also began to seep into the church. Instead of names like today that like we would think of, such as Matt Chandler or John Piper, Tim Keller, uh, names of people they were following, they would say, I follow Paul, or I follow Apollos, I follow Peter, that's who Cephas is um, in that passage just before this one is Peter, or I follow Christ. But these were slogans essentially to say, I'm following the greater teacher, that this is what matters. And what Paul noticed as they were doing this is that they were losing sight of Christ. They were losing sight of the message of the gospel that holds power. So what he says, he issues this warning in verse 17, for Christ did not send me to baptize, but to preach the gospel, and not with words of eloquent wisdom, lest the cross of Christ be emptied of its power. He noticed there was an emphasis that was taking place within the city of Corinth, especially within the church of Corinth, that they were emphasizing the words of man, the eloquent words, the well-spoken words of men over the cross. They were devaluing the cross. They were emptying the cross of its power in doing that. And that should be a warning to us as well. It should be a warning to us where we ask ourselves, are we doing this as well? Are we guilty of this in our own lives? We shouldn't be here this morning to hear somebody speak or do you know, what we would say is, is good or bad or whatever, it doesn't, that doesn't matter. That's not what we're here for. That's not why we come here week in and week out. We come here to hear the message of the cross. So hear me well, church. Ryan Nast's words this morning, they hold no power. And that's one of the things that I love about getting up here and preaching is it's not my word that holds power. It is the word of God that does. Now, that doesn't mean that I'm off the hook. I need to bring this to you accurately and faithfully because it's the power of the gospel, the power of the message of Christ crucified that holds power for us this morning. That's what we see at the end of verse 18 there. It says, But to us who are being saved, it being the cross is the power of God. It's the power of God. And I hope that's why all of us are here this morning. Because it's this message that holds power for us. But to those who don't know Jesus, we see what it says at the beginning of verse 18 there. For the word of the cross is folly to those who are perishing. The word of the cross is folly. It is foolishness. It makes no sense to those who do not know Jesus as their Savior. It's not our, 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 our words that matter. It is the message of Christ that matters And sometimes our world doesn't understand it. It just doesn't get it. And when we come to these points, maybe there's divisions that come in with them. But the divisions of this world remind us that we need God's help in this, that we need God to help us to save us from our sin, and thankfully he did that. He sent his son, Jesus, the son of God, to come to this world and the way he came was not a way that was expected, was it? He came as a lowly baby. He, he lived a perfect life. He lived a life that none of us could live. Yet he was rejected and sentenced to death on the cross. And as he hung there on the cross, the world looking on, many probably thought saw that as defeat. But in actuality, he reigned victorious. He was victorious because he didn't stay dead. He rose from the grave three days later by the power of God. And now, through belief that it leads to repentance in our lives, we can have salvation in that message. That message of Christ crucified that is continually changing us and making us more and more like Christ. We can have a relationship with God now because of this amazing message, this power of the cross. As we said, Salvation that comes from death, essentially, an instrument of death that was used to bring about salvation for this world, to the world, that's foolishness. It doesn't make sense. It doesn't make sense that God would do this in such a way. It's folly to those who don't believe. It's foolishness. It's nonsense. Yet for those who know Jesus as their savior, it is the power of God. And it's amazing. As Paul says at the end of verse 20, the very last question that he asks there, has not God made foolish the wisdom of the world? And it's a rhetorical question that we are meant to answer with a resounding, yes, God has made foolish the wisdom of this world. He has flipped our human ways of thinking upside down and and, and showed us, how we should truly view life through the power that is found and wisdom that is found at the cross. Now maybe you're here this morning and you're hearing what was going on in the church of Corinth and you're like, "Well, I don't really feel like that's something I'm guilty of. I don't feel as though I am emphasizing and putting human speakers over the power and message of the gospel. And if that's you this morning, that's great. I'm glad that that's the case. But maybe for some of you today, as we've been talking about this just a little bit, you're realizing that is something that you struggle with. And that's okay, too. Bring that to the Lord. Confess this sin to him. But there are also other ways that we empty the cross of its power through our words. And probably the most common way that I have at least seen this is through a lack of words. Feeling like we just don't have the words, perhaps. That, you know, when we sound, we, when we find ourselves praying up in front of people, we just don't sound good. Or when we are speaking about our faith to others around us, we just don't have all of the, the answers and all of that. Or when we're sharing the gospel to those around us, those who don't know Jesus. Like we just don't have that gospel, gospel formula down to a T, to a science, and so we can't do all of those things. Essentially, when we do these things, though, we're saying we need eloquent words in order to preach the gospel, in order to tell the world about who Jesus is. And this is just as as much so devaluing the cross, emptying the cross of its power as what was happening in the city of Corinth. That's sin. And I understand. I'm guilty of that, too, at times. It was actually something we had to address with our Hope Week family this year. Me and my co-leader noticed that our students were getting nervous as we were gonna head down to Hamtramck for the first day. They'd been told there was a bit of a cultural difference, a bit of a language difference at times. Perhaps people wouldn't know English, some might, might not. We were a little nervous, and and understandably so. I would have been at their age as well going into that situation for the first time. But as we heard some of these things, we were just like, look, guys, God is going to empower us to do exactly what he wants us to do this week. He's gonna be able to give us what we need in those situations to go out and and, and just do the ministry that he's set us apart for this week. He's going to give us the words if those are necessary. He's gonna help us do what we are going to do. And the amazing thing is, the first day we get down there and 10 seconds later as we go off to do stuff. People are already going up to people, having conversations, asking them, how can we love on your community? How can we care for you as we pass out these flyers for what we're doing? You wouldn't have known that these students were nervous. It was amazing to see God at work in their lives, the power of God in their lives, helping them to do that ministry this week, that week. Now I'm not knocking our students for these nerves. These are natural. I'm not knocking any of you if you have nerves in sharing the gospel or any sorts of emotions you might be feeling, whether anxiety, whether it be anger or confusion, whatever that might be. Those are natural. But we can't just stop there and say, no, I'm not going to do this. No, we step out into faith in those moments, and we'll get more into that in just a little bit. But we also need to ask ourselves, why do we feel the way that we do? Why is it that these emotions are at work within our lives? Because if we answer that question, if we find the answer to that question, we're going to find the foolish thinking, the wise foolishness of this world that we are holding on to. We're going to find the things that are of this world that are, that are driving what we're doing instead of believing in the wisdom and the power of God. And then we can repent of those things. We can surrender those things to God. And that might not always be easy. It might be giving up something to God that is really deeply on your heart. But as we step out into faith and do these things, God begins to grow us. That message of Christ crucified, it seeps deeper and deeper into our souls. We grow and it is a beautiful thing and we go and we can then go out and proclaim to the world this amazing news that Christ died for our sins and rose again that we might have life and that leads us to the next thing we need to do today the next thing we need to embrace which is to profess the foolish wisdom of the cross to profess the foolish wisdom of the cross cross may be foolishness to the world, but for us who believe in Jesus, who know him as our savior, it is the place where we discover the power and the wisdom of God. And we see this in verses 21 through 25 of our passage which say this. For since in the wisdom of God, the world did not know God through wisdom. It pleased God through the folly of what we preach to save those who believe. For Jews demand science, power and wisdom of God. They are on display in these verses. Right away in verse 21, Paul, Paul says this at the very end of it. It pleased God through the folly of what we preach to save those who believe. Oh, that's, no, that's not what it was. The world did not know God through wisdom. That is what we wanted to, to focus on this morning. Uh, the world did not know God through wisdom and God's wisdom It wasn't through human knowledge and understanding that we come to know God as Savior. It's not through our human knowledge and understanding, but through something else. It means that we can have all of the resources that are of this world. We can have all of the commentaries and those types of resources that explain Scripture. We can have formal education on the Scriptures and training and education We can even have a pretty good idea of what is said from here, from front to back, but still not know God. And that may sound scary to some of you here, but it's actually a beautiful thing. It's a beautiful thing because it is not wisdom that leads us to God. It is not a message that is just for the wise, for those who know people, those who can discern things. It's for all. It's for everybody. God in his wisdom made this message for everyone, not just for those who are wise. And that is a beautiful, beautiful thing. But then if it's not through human wisdom, then how do we come to know God? And that's the verse that I already read earlier, where it says, it pleased God through the folly of what we preach to save those who believe. And that last word of the verse believe. That's where we find our answer. It's through things like belief, trust, faith, that we come to know Jesus, that we come to know God. And it's a beautiful, beautiful thing. But the object of that faith is just as important as having that faith. It's faith in what the world says is folly. What we, Paul says that the, 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 it's, it's, it's what we, we preach what is folly, that this message that leads to salvation is folly. It's what we've been talking about already. It's Christ crucified. It's the message of Christ crucified. We believe in what this world says is foolish, that Jesus died for our sin, was buried and raised again the third day in accordance with the scriptures. This, 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 uh, this message that, that, that is folly to the world and leads to obstacles to getting to that faith. It's not new. That's something that we deal with in our culture today. It was something that they dealt with back then. And Paul addresses some of these, these in verse 22. He says the Jews demanded signs. They wanted to see God's miraculous power on full display. And they kind of missed it because Jesus literally raised from the dead. The Greeks They sought human wisdom. They didn't really care about what God had to say because they saw it as foolishness, as nonsense, as as folly. They they wanted fame over God's wisdom. And in desiring that fame, really, they they missed out on the wisdom they were truly seeking after. Both groups of these people heard the message of Christ crucified. But there were different things that were keeping them from belief found in what they were looking for that was of this world and not not, not seeking that it could only be found in Jesus. The things their hearts were longing for were found in the message of the cross. But thankfully, not all of these people missed out on that. As it says in verse 24, but to those who are called, both Jews and Greeks, Christ, the power of God, and the wisdom of God. They found what their hearts were looking for. Those who believed and therefore had been called by God to that belief found that what they were seeking and wanting could only be found at the the cross. Their hearts were satisfied at the cross. And the same is true for us today. Maybe these are the things your hearts are longing for. Maybe it's something else. But it can only be found at the cross. Only God can satisfy our hearts at the cross. But why is it through an instrument of death? Why is it that Jesus had to die in order that God's power and wisdom might be made known to this world? Well, in verse 25 it says, for the foolishness of God is wiser than men. And the weakness of God is stronger than man. God in his weakness is still more powerful than we are at our strongest. It's an amazing reality. He still he flips our thinking upside down yet again and seeing it's not our own power, our own um, yeah, authority and wisdom that we should be seeking after, but his, but his. And the beautiful thing is In our brokenness, in our weakness, we see the power of God on full display. As one commentator put it, God at his worst is better than humans at their best, and that is an amazing, amazing thing. We can't fully comprehend God's power and wisdom. There's always going to be more to learn about him. He is an all-powerful and all-wise God. And that's an amazing thing because that means we're going to have more to learn about the message of the gospel as well, the message of of Christ crucified that is going to continually become more beautiful to us as we grow in our understanding and our our belief, really, of that that message. It saves us. It brings us into a relationship with God here and now and forevermore. However, we also do know from scripture that God is not just all wise and all powerful. Yes, he is those things, but he is also all loving. This is the reason why he sent Jesus. He sent Jesus out of love for us that we might see and be restored from our sin. Now, not, all, not everybody's going to see the message of this. Not everybody is going to, um, to, to understand that as it's proclaimed Sometimes it might feel like the gospel as we proclaim it to those around us is falling on deaf ears. And that's okay. That's okay because the beautiful thing is we are being faithful to that gospel message going out into the world. The gospel is still moving forward in those moments. And that's that's an awesome thing to be a part of God's word going out into a world that desperately needs it. It It's a privilege to be a part of God's, uh, God's work at Hope Week this year with our middle school family. The final two days that we found ourselves in Hamtramck, we were throwing a soccer tournament and a carnival for the community there. The carnival on the last day went exactly as planned. It was awesome to see so many people from the community just come out and to be able to build relationships with them, to care for them um, like we'd been doing that week. The soccer tournament, on the other hand, did not quite go as was planned. In fact, nobody showed up for that. And in that moment, it could have been easy for us to wonder, what is God doing? But God in his wisdom made it so that nobody did show up that day. Because we were able to go back out into the community, to pass out waters on a hot day, to have conversations with people, to to, to really just pray. Some of us just stayed back and, and prayed some big prayers that day. Two of those being... The gospel would go out, and that God would show us the power of prayer. And God answered every single one of our big prayers that day. That night, as we were debriefing the day in our family time, one of the boys from our group, he he raised his hand and said, Ryan, today was a success. I was like, why is that? Because the gospel went out. The gospel went out. Several of us had the opportunity to share the gospel, those who needed it. One of the gentlemen we talked with, his heart was soft to that message of Christ crucified. How amazing that is. The next day at the carnival, these students shared the gospel yet again. The gospel was going out. God in his wisdom knew we didn't need a soccer tournament that day. We needed to share the gospel. And we were blown away by this work of God in the lives of these students. So I can't encourage you enough. Profess the foolish wisdom of the cross. Profess the foolish wisdom of the cross. If you know Jesus as your savior, be faithful to proclaiming this good news. This good news that our world desperately, desperately needs. Don't be discouraged if it falls on deaf ears. If people don't seem to be Accepting of that message because you don't know what God can do with that message. It is such a powerful message that, that it, it's not reliant on us. It's reliant completely and totally on our God. And that is an amazing, amazing thing. And if you hear here and you don't know Jesus, I can't encourage you enough to profess the foolish wisdom of the cross. This is the message that can satisfy whatever it is that your heart is longing for. There is nothing in and of this world, not my words, not any human knowledge or wisdom that we can gain for ourselves or anything else in this world that has this kind of power. Only the message of Christ crucified has this power. So believe in what Jesus has done to set you free from your sin, to restore you to a relationship with God. I pray you see the power and wisdom that are in this message this morning. From all of this today, we see that God's wisdom and power are in the message of Christ crucified. God's wisdom and power are in the message of Christ crucified. So confess your wise foolishness that is of this world. Confess those things that are keeping you from going out and sharing the gospel. Surrender those things to God. Bring those to him and profess the foolish wisdom of the cross. Profess the foolish wisdom of the cross. Only it has the power to save. And this world desperately, desperately needs Jesus. Believe in the message of the gospel, that Jesus was crucified, he was buried, and that he rose again victoriously from the grave by the power of God. It is through this good news and only this good news that we are saved. And I know that today I have talked a lot about our Hope Week family. I I know I don't normally do a lot of this when I get up to preach. It's not something I, I necessarily make habit of, but I couldn't think of a better way to illustrate and give a testimony to God's power and wisdom on full display. And what I didn't tell you yet was that at the beginning of the week, at the beginning of Hope Week, we were told that we weren't going to have the opportunity to share the gospel because we were just, the, the, the goal of our ministry that week was just to, to build relationships in the community of Hamtramck with, with Woodside. It wasn't that the reason was bad, it's just that was not what we were, we were going to be doing that week because that was what we were doing to open those, help open those doors eventually. But that didn't mean we weren't praying for it. Didn't mean we weren't praying for this message to go out into this community. And by God's grace, doors were opened that we weren't expecting to be opened. Doors that allowed our students to proclaim this life-changing message of Christ crucified to a community that needs it. I hope that this encourages you to confess your foolish thinking that's of this world the things that keep you from professing the wisdom of the cross. It's not our eloquent words. It's not how we say things that matter. We just need to be faithful to to the people that God has made us to be, to going out into the world and sharing this good news. Remember, God's wisdom and power are in the message of Christ crucified. Thank you for joining us as we study God's word together. We would love to hear how God is moving in your heart and get you connected into the Woodside Bible Church family. Head over to woodsidebible.org forward slash connect to introduce yourself to us today.